This is a Quite the Thing media production of Quite the Music, distributed as part of Quite the Music collab. Hi there, my name is Gary Morris and welcome to the fifth episode here of Quite the Music. And as always, we've got quite the guest. Going back to the heydays of 1990s pop, we've got the wonderful lads Al and Pete from Dream. Evening, lads. Evening. Good evening, Gary. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, there's a little bit of synergy uh, with this because when we go back to episode one of the pod, we had... Uh, the wonderful Mark Reed from A1 on here, and he ah. was singing your praises, Pete, in terms of a lot of kind of songwriting stuff that you did with the boys back in the day. So, yeah, so yeah, we're we'll really probably, good lads. Yeah, we'll probably come on to that a little bit later on, but uh, certainly the reason why both of you are here is to talk mm. about all things uh, Dream. So, really pleased that you guys could make it on and uh, have a bit of a chat because. Uh, People will know you, obviously, from the 90s and things can only get better. You're the best thing. Shoot me with your love. Uh, but may not be as familiar with uh, certainly your recent release and uh, the, the kind of resurgence of the band. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about what A brought you back together and uh, the kind of inspiration behind the, the new material? Well, you, you go, Alan. You're good at this. Have <laughs> I? I, I um, yeah. we, the thing is, we've been, Pete and I have been sort of together now again since about 2009. Um, we had a bit of a sort of hiatus um, from 93-ish to, well, until then. And we hadn't seen each other. And then one one day I was, I'd been out on a night out and I was sort of, let's say, recovering in the morning in a park. And Pete had just got up. and He was out with his kids in the park. And we hadn't seen each other in, well, nearly 20 years, if not more than 20 years. And um, it was just this bizarre moment. We was like, oh, hello. And um, and we had a little discussion and just thought, you know, let's debate some music again and just see how it goes. So we, we've been doing that. And we did, we did an album about 2011. And then from then, we've, we've always been, you know, as D-Rima, as it were. But we've just been doing stuff, moving houses, leaving partners or being left by partners. And... <laughs> And things like that, and um, yeah. and having failed businesses like that with, with me, and just yeah, and so we've always had the plan to make a new album. It's just taken a lot of time, and and the stars kind of aligned eventually, and we started doing it again about two well 2015, then stopped again. So it's been stop start. It's um because then we've been together now on and off for this part of 30 years. Four albums isn't really a great return, but. But yeah, we've always kind of been thinking we're, we're doing this. And it's just with lockdown as well, it kind of um, got us more focused eventually and just got in and finished it. So we've been able to get this sort of our work, what we've been doing out there. Mm. And it's 
so obviously the new album, uh, Open Hearts, Open Minds, slightly different sound to what people may expect if you kind of look back to the kind of 90s sound. So kind of is that more in line with kind of your kind of musical direction, Peter, or is this um, just I, the kind of natural synergy of the kind of way the band's I, gone? I disagree a little bit insofar as I think it's it is quintessentially us. It's just that we're we've beefed up the beats. We're using more modern machines, and we've got a, a bigger uh, sound palette, as it were. Okay. Um, but um, if if you listen to it, you know there's strings and piano and soulful soaring vocals and big gospel choirs and all the you know we threw the kitchen sink in there. So th- there's some elements where, where we've experimented. That's that's for sure. But uh, I, I think I think it's more to return to form. Don't forget that when we did those first albums, the first two albums, the technology then was such that most of the stuff was done outboard and the synths wouldn't stay either in time or in tune. And, you know, it took a long time and you had to run off the Atari uh, onto tape and that kind of thing. It was really very old school and you were limited in your track count. And, and now the distance between the idea and realizing the ideas and infinitesimally small, it's almost instant. So we're in a very, very different level. So I think it's a, um, well, it has moved on. It's still got, you know, it's still, it still sounds like us, I suppose. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. <laughs> no, absolutely. And obviously you guys have been out doing a few kind of live gigs over the last kind of couple of months. Uh, obviously things have just started to open back up again. So how's the, the new stuff gone down with the live audiences? Well, we we did, we actually did a first one on Saturday gone. That was mm. the first we've done since, uh, you know, you know, since it's all kicked off two years, yeah. and well, it went down really well, I have to say. I mean, there's no getting away from the fact that the people going there, like we did Bessing and things going to get better, they, they, those tunes are well known. So you've got to get a better reaction from them. But this, I think the reaction was really good on all the people we played for from the new album, and it went down really well. And I think and in time, when you do more gigs... It, it, that reaction should get better because pe- hopefully more people get to know will know the tune. So it, they went, yeah, they went down very well. In fact, probably better, better than I was, I was hoping, to be honest. Yeah. The thing and, is, people were, were sort of um, staying towards the hill and they'd been spread out by by the day and the sun and the the whole kind of festival. And once the light had gone down and and when we got on stage, um, everyone started seemed to come off the hill and, and they could hear that we had the beat going and they wanted a they wanted a little bit of a bop so i saw people moving and dancing to it but what was really really nice to see is we had pretty much the whole front row two or three people deep uh, who, who knew all the new ones <laughs> and that yeah, was like, always good <laughs> for where i was going you know i was pointing at it and said, I, I think i know you i've seen you on social media and and the real the real pity was for me um you know i'm, I'm i moved back to ireland i'm looking after an 85-year-old father who's very frail. So I really had to limit my exposure to people. And I really want this thing to be, you know, over so I can get out there and, and hug the shit out of people. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, things have now started to open up. I, I was at a festival not that long ago myself, at an 80s do that was up in Edinburgh um, with a lot of the, the 80s crowds. And I think just people were so happy to be back out and listening to, to live music. And a lot of the, the bands that were on were so receptive to the reaction they were getting from the crowd because people were just so happy to be back out doing what probably felt like normal um, until very recently. So... It's really is a human experience, isn't it? And it's one of the we were the first out under the bus and we're the last in. And I got to say, I mean, obviously people 
I suppose that's that pent up energy. So I think maybe uh, they were just going for that little bit extra. But no, we had a great gig. Uh, there's 5,000 people there, and you know they were all with us. By the by the time we finished, uh, things going to get better. They like us. I just felt like I was celebrating life in that moment, and I just saw them just punching the air too. And we were like, we were just so happy. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, when you have such a big hit as things like it better can be, um, is that always last on the set, or, or do you sometimes maybe throw throw it in early and kind of wait wait and see if the crowd stays with you? Funny you mention that because we were talking about it the other night. Why don't we just flummox them and do it first? <laughs> but that's, that's, they might, we might lose their attention. <laughs> we did on the last tour. We did it as second last, and then as. So then, and then we did another tune at the end. So that's like an encore type thing. Yeah. Doing that with like the sort of full live band, and we did doing like the hour long sets, or and a half, whatever. And it was it was quite good doing that because, mm. you know, it's like it's always a bit obvious. I think I'd I'd quite like to put it in halfway through, to be honest. If everyone's felt confident enough, and it was our crowd there, I don't think they'd. If it's a crowd that's coming to see us, and they'd be coming to see us to back off the new album as well, and I don't think they'd be that bothered which order they hear it in. You know, well, I don't yeah. think it would. I wouldn't. I mean, you think when you go to a lot of bands, a lot of concerts, especially bands that have got um, say, a wealth of um, material, they don't always play what you would consider the biggest one last. You know, so so hmm. I, I think it'd be quite good. Yeah. yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out the hard way, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> so take us back to the nineties, guys. Uh, where did the band kind of originate from, and kind of what was the what brought you together in the, the first instance? Oh. 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 Well, we were in London, but I, you know, Pete came from Ireland, I came from Scotland, Edinburgh, and we moved down south, oh, in Peter's case, across the water. I was DJing in London, Pete was living in London and working, having, well, I mean, expand upon that, being the band and things have gone wherever they've gone. He was working on material on his own, and my ex partner, was Pete was working with her and she just suggested come down to the night I used to do run in Wardour Street in the Brain Club and then um, I I'd never made music and just thought it'd be a good idea to get us together. And so we did basically Pete came up to me and said, Oh I'm working as chin. I went round his house um and just thought, yeah, this is this is fun, something to do, see what it's all about. And and we just seemed to it seemed to work quite well. Because um, also had that dance knowledge from Beijing, and Pete, we wanted that sound with his new material, and it just, yeah, it just sort of it it went from strength to strength from there, really. I was really struggling with um, I, I've been going to these clubs and I've been trying to emulate the stuff I was hearing in these 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 events, and 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 I was uh, at Alan's show. He had a residency at a place called the Brain on Water Street, and so I was kind of sheepishly hanging around there like a, a bad smell. And um, you know, I just I just needed some someone to help me with this thing, and I thought, well, it was Kath's suggestion, Alan's ex-partner, that you know you should talk to him because he's like you know he's nice and he's he's got DJ knowledge. So when he did come round, we were work, I was working on a, an idea for what was the early version of You're the Best Thing. I had the verse and 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 some other ideas, and Alan just sort of straightened it all out with the the drums and and the beats, and then he he, he had a kick drum on there that. He wanted me to make last for 16 bars or 32 bars. I can't quite recall, but I just said to him, who's going to, who's going to like that? And no, no one's going to listen to that. Cause I was conditioned to do three minute pop tunes. It's, mm. it's not for you. It's for other DJs to lock on to. And that was like the, you know, the boom moment for me. That was like, that's, that's 
great. That's I wouldn't know that. Now we've done that. That means it can go. And it went out on vinyl. And when we when we got the mixes right, and it just uh, started going viral. Uh, what they call today viral, but back then it was just word of mouth. And that's how really we 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 got together over it. We we had some discussion as well over the name, which was funny, because we we had a gig coming up and we needed a name. And um, I, as I recall it, um, I was suggesting the Dream Boys, but Alan might have mentioned the Dream Academy. And I thought we'll, we'll name ourselves after the strip act, so we can be <laughs> like. A, so, but then he just said, well, with all the bands like De Influence and Delight and M People and K Class, we thought we'd just separate Dream as in D Ream, and that's that's how it was born. Unbeknownst to us, we put the colon in between the D and the R, which is in HTML. That's an illegal character. So we kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Shows, shows you what vintage we are before the internet. Just yeah. little things like that. You know, that's that's how we sort of form. But once. Once we've done what we've done, it, it kind of, as I say, went viral. And, you know, I've done stuff on my own uh, during those sort of inter-dream years, and I just got a pat in the head. But when, whenever I do something with Al, it's just everyone just sort of, you know, just really feels it and it, uh, completely on another level. So that's why we're, we're doing more albums together. We're getting better at it. And uh, hopefully we won't be leaving so long between uh, albums this time because, I don't know, I, I wrote three albums in lockdown, and Alan only wants to do this one. And uh, it's not a complaint. <laughs> it's just it's just a wish to get going. And but you know these things take time, and it's a process. So, and he's he's quite he's quite heavy with uh, curating the stuff that you know I, I sent to him. And then there's also now the new uh, emergence of us working on stuff that we just come up with ourselves. We both write and and record. So that's also taken us in a kind of fresh a direction as well. And how have you found, obviously, the the kind of modern ways of getting music out, the the kind of Spotify generation, where you don't necessarily have to have a whole album worth of tracks. You can just maybe put a song if you've got a song, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the old traditional, right, here's 12 tracks off an album, four singles, then wait a year and the next album comes out. I I get that. I think that we've always been kind of self-propelled. Someone reminded me earlier that, our, our first foray into the house music scene was was on our own label and we did our own white labels and we uh, the Warner years were just a sojourn you know where we were yes being nice and famous and lots of marketing spend and hype but you know in 2010 we did it ourselves and now um, in 2021 we're, we're doing it ourselves again but what we realized about Spotify and, and all of those sort of services is they make people really lazy um, and people just click on there and sort of forget and you know anything that's free people don't respect so you can only really buy this album from our, our website or Bandcamp, and you can only download it from that as well because we want people to value what we do. And uh, we're not going to make it easy for them, but they've, they've got to do a bit of work. But if they if they love what they do and they want to support us, then they can stream it from us or they can buy the vinyl or the CD. And th- these streaming services, I mean, like anything in life, if, if, if artists don't support them, they won't have this kind of power and control over artists and artists now can actually just have fans just go straight to their websites. It's, it's bizarre that they'd choose a middleman, no matter how big the platform is. So that's where we're at. And we, we may be, we may be standing in a club for one dancing on our own, but I can sort of feel that it's got to go that way because you have to break this monopoly and this hold and, and just the, the atrocious way that artists have been treated by these streaming services. 
No, that's a fair point. I think obviously the the proof of the pudding is in the the content, and I think as long as uh, your fans have got access to you, uh, whether it's via social media or going on to to your site or, or whatever, but um, as long as they find where they can get the the material from and they're we're seeing you live and that they're kind of consuming the the product that way as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can see that there's certainly a, a possibly a move away from your kind of your big areas, particularly for kind of bands that aren't necessarily relying on the the, the marketing nose of of a Spotify or an Apple behind them. Well, I, I don't. I'm not. You say the marketing nose of it, but they do absolutely nothing for you. You know, you've got to do it yourself. You've got to you've got to pay to join the, like on Spotify. There's you can pay to join some people. These guys that will put you on to Spotify playlists and stuff. They've got one. They've got a couple that they allow you to to do this for you, and so you're paying, and it doesn't guarantee anything. It it's like I just as Peter said, and it makes people lazy, really lazy, you know. And and you've got no chance of selling anything if you. I don't. I don't, I don't think it does. And people people said to me, oh yeah, you're on there, and then that opens you up to for gigs here, there, and everywhere. Someone said it to me last week, or oh, what? Someone listens to this. And it's an advertising agency, and it gets you think. What if? I mean, what if? Yes. Likely that's going to happen. You know, you, you, it's, it's likely to happen if they hear it on Facebook or something. So, I just think you know, those those are closed shops anyway. Generally, that you know, that's that's publishing companies and and advertising. You know, they've got their own people who deal with that. So it's very unlikely that you're going to get any gain from it. It's mm. just it's just become laziness from and if all loads of musicians part, they just it's easy to put your stuff on on Spotify. I think I did that joke, so we're not doing it. So it's that simple. No, I mean, where we're trying to go with it. Sorry, Gary, interrupt you, but um, uh, we're thinking. Well, we'll put streaming on the website, and then we'll just, as you said, maybe it won't be about doing an album. Maybe we'll put, yeah, as we get two or four or whatever finished, we'll just do them as exclusives direct to the fans. And if they're on there with a regular membership, we'll be able to deliver that at least, you know, once a month because we're, we're getting to stage now where we're getting really quick at, at doing this. And it would be a good way of, of stopping us being maybe the frustration of the album cycle, as it were. I mean, there's something beautiful about an album, though, when you do hold it in your hands and, you know, there's an A and a B side to it. You know, all my favorite albums, I, I can remember what track comes next. But And I know that the attention span of the modern consumer is, is more limited but then we're not appealing to them we're appealing to people who know us from back in the day and uh you know so there'll be people in their 60s people in their 40s but not necessarily i mean i asked my my eldest daughter who's coming up for 19 what was number one she said i have no idea you yeah know, it's, it's, it's completely you know it doesn't mean anything to them um so that the whole the whole landscape's changing absolutely so it comes on what other friends are listening to and it comes coming from TikTok or Facebook or whatever as you say so we are promoting on those sites and it, it's do, it's doing some good but it's very slow going I must say. Yeah, it's interesting for me that obviously I, I do this show but the bands I listened to in 2021 are the bands I listened to in 1995 um, and generally it's, it might be their new material but it's still generally the same people and uh, I couldn't tell you who's top of the charts and there's, there's no real the same push towards getting a number one single or, or even a number one album these days. It's all, um, it's about clicks and profile and all that. So it's a very different world to, to kind of what I remember when I was growing up and listening to, to music in the, the, well, the good old days. So <laughs> I think it's like taking away Top of the Pops is like taking away, you know, match of the day for the, the league. It's just crazy. 
Um, so no one has any sense that there's any focus on this. And um, and then they split up Radio 1, went through six different channels. So you're just trying to please everybody and pleasing no one. But the best bit about Top of the Pops was, you know, I'd, I'd have one of my favorite bands on and my dad would come in and go, if they'd seen this lot during the war, they'd have shot them on sight. You know, that's kind of, you know, you had that thing where the generations could slag each other off or, or at least even agree that something was good. Nowadays, we don't listen to music together at all. We listen, listen to it. Uh, individually solo apart, you know, it's quite sad. So let's talk a little bit songwriting, Pete, because uh, I know we mentioned it really early doors, but um, you've been involved with probably two of my all-time favourite bands of all time and A1 and also in Steps. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how you, you kind of got involved with, with both of those guys. Well, in, in the interdream years, I was kind of like a hired gun and I, I was sort of sitting there and I had friends who kept asking me to work on pop acts and I was like, oh God, really. And um, so I ended up I don't know, with Simon Ellis and, and other people and um, uh, Rob Davis and people like that working on stuff for Kylie. And and, and do you know what? It was great because I wasn't writing for myself. I was writing for others. So I had a kind of busman's holiday. I learned quite a lot from doing it. But at the time, a friend of mine who um, used to run Dance Energy and manage Normski, he, he, had, a, he had steps was on his roster and he needed some stuff for that. So I ended up doing a, a tune with Simon Ellis, which was on their, their platinum selling album called Baby Don't Dance. And we did a couple of others, but it was going to be the, the single, but they think they split up before it came out. Yeah. I uh, did stuff for the Honeys and A1. And, and A1, just, they, they were lovely lads, really, really lovely lads. And they were so keen to to learn and, and work, with, work with us and all the other producers, you know, and Andrew Frampton that they work with. So yeah, I was just in there with them and, I don't know how we managed it, but I came up with their first and second single, First to Believe and Summertime of Our Lives. And it was a really good time to be working with them. And then they, they just got really big. And as I, I thought they'd go off and start writing with more A-listers and that kind of thing. And that's what they did. You know, um, I think A1 had a, a, a baptism of fire there. You know, they were going to do, they were actually, I would say A1 with a precursor to, to One Direction because what where Tim didn't um, have the success with A1. He learned a lot. He, In fact, what he learned was he wanted uh, better songs and better writers. So he ended up moving to LA so that when Simon, uh, uh, Simon Cal, when he formed uh, One Direction, Tim was already in LA, part of the psycho uh, crowd. And he was just taking, you know, Max Martin tunes and all that kind of stuff. And those guys are, they're on a different level with their writing as far as I'm concerned. So I'm quite ha I'm happy, happy to have had that experience um, are they words I'm proud of? They're all right, you know. They're you all right. Be, yeah, you should be very proud of Baby Don't Dance. It's one of my favourite steps tracks. So um, oh, thank uh, you. Thank I, you. I would, I would take uh, massive props from that. Yeah, it's a cracking yeah. song. Yeah, thank you. You know, we, we worked hard on that. And that was my first experience of working with an orchestra. Um, I had a friend of mine, Matt Clifford. He plays keyboards with the Stones. And I got him into arranging it for me. And then we arranged the orchestra. And, I'd never stood in front of an orchestra. You're talking like 50 people, and we have them for a morning, and they're on, you know, um, musicians' union rates, and it's all very different to the world I I inhabit. But what what he did was he took me to the podium out of the control room, and I walked up to this what's it called, you know, the console that the the, that the conductor stands on, and he just tapped the um the uh, music stand, and said uh, hello everybody at top of his voice. I'd like to introduce to Pete Connor. He's the producer and writer of this song. Uh, for today's session and all of them were holding violins and what they did instead of clapping they tapped the uh the neck of the violin with this like you know with their bows 
all 50 of them and uh, I went red in the face <laughs> he's, and he said it's his first time <laughs> no, that's so, awesome. yeah that was the that was probably the best bit about doing that was down in um yeah in Soho we were in there yeah in the old uh the old um uh Sony building this is the Sony building yeah Cool. So we can't talk Dream without obviously mentioning Brian. Um, so Brian Cox for people that are listening. So um, you guys still obviously good pals. Obviously he's, he's not really doing stuff with the band just now, but no, he's um, his fees are astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, he, what a great lad! I actually had a, a little radio show over here last summer called Pete's Beats for Better Days, and uh, um, I interviewed him on there because we we, we go back so so long, but. Uh, he reminded me that we were his summer job in 1991-92 and the guy that was normally driving us around gets sick and he he nominated Brian and he says look I've been working with this band they're called Dream or something he says they're not going anywhere but you can have that job for the summer (laughs) so so Brian got us as his summer job but being a scientist he had no practical mind whatsoever he he just um when we got to a roundabout, we used to go, oh, God, Brian's driving. Just pick a number. <laughs> exit we left. We may have made it to the gig in time or not. But eventually that got to be so bad that we said, look, you've, we've got a sack. you as the driver, but there's a job going as a keyboard player. And I put a Dexter Wong um, uh, jacket on him and uh, left him with his long hair at the keyboard. He was perfect for us, you know. But uh, I said to him, I have to take some credit for your career, Brian, insofar as I believe you made you learned how to explain really complicated things to quite stupid people like me on our tour coach. <laughs> he said, "Do you know what, Pete? I might give that to you." <laughs> no, he's great. We love Ryan. We do. And I presume he's not got any plans to to come back to to your boys or to to do music full time or anything like that. No, uh, does he? I look- He's already he's working with Orbital. He's got some stuff on the go with various people like that. And and listen, at some point, yes, I'll ask the favour back of him. But as I said to Alan earlier, we need to be on the road to Wembley, even if we are on the bus before Brian will join us. So we've got an, we've got ambition still, Gary. We've got ambition. No, Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us then about the the next steps then for for Deerim, obviously promoting the new album and uh, obviously you had uh, a gig there at the weekend. But what's next? Where, where are you going over the course of the next few months? Right, isn't it all October eighth? Well, it's it's more of the same. We're up in Sunderland in a couple of weeks. It's just want more gigs, more promotion. We because we're doing the videos. We're doing it all ourselves. Doing making the videos ourselves now as well. So we're gonna have to do some more videos for um, the other tracks on the album got a remix album doing um that's been more for the sort of cool the club thing um just more gigs and more promotion we've got you know we've there's a long way to go when it says we're doing it ourselves as peter thinks that uh, we haven't got the budgets that these labels well especially back in the day but even now the you know those big acts have that they, they put tracks out and none of them are um they're all lost leaders you know for whatever we can't for we can't really afford to do that you know we've spent quite a lot of money i won't say how much just getting to where we got with it you know i still um we you know we're sending the records and the cds out here from from my house the, the house is like a, a warehouse as well the house the main house it sounds like this makes me sound like i'm really grand but it's not as grand as we have a main house and we're in that house and the garage is full of um records and cds so i need them to get rid of so anyone listening to this can you please get on a band and buy them <laughs> absolutely 
no so others I, I've, I've checked it out um i'm really impressed i used to believe in love i think it's my, my favorite al- uh, track off the album um but there's it's just a, it's really nice kind of vibe to it it's just a, it's, it's a nice track and i think that that's what the, the next single as well it is yes. Right. yes it's coming out in the middle of october at some point um our, our pa guys and um it's our pr guys and radio people are are working that for us and we're getting i mean the reactions have been phenomenal it went down really well live as well so i mean i know we've got the songs it's just a matter of getting getting a little bit of momentum behind it i know we're not going to be you know right up there again like we were but it's just about reaching out to uh, the people who love what we did before and um you know hopefully they'll love what they hear and and, uh, and get into it no brilliant and certainly what we'll do is when we we send this, this pod out we'll uh, attach a link in there as well so that um we, people can get hold of you on Bandcamp and obviously hopefully try and, and make a few sales for your lads as well thanks fantastic no so it's been brilliant having you guys on and we wish you all the luck with the the new album and the new tracks and uh let me know next time you're up in scotland and we'll, we'll check you out as well hopefully um will do you might know you go now. Take Thanks care. very much, Pete. Thanks much, Ryan. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Quite the Thing Media production of Quite the Music, distributed as part of Quite the Music Collab.